uh, when we make some acquisitions of you know smaller companies that are digital by nature, then we see them as two sides. So one side is their own business, and the other side is a set of capabilities and platforms that we could use to be able to accelerate the innovation inside the machine group. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. That's Eric Chagno from Michelin. My name is Eric Chagno, and I'm the Chief Digital Officer at Michelin. At our Innovation Roundtable Summit in Copenhagen, Eric Chagno discussed with our colleague Leonard how organizations can effectively drive digital transformation and enable productive collaboration with startups. We hope you enjoy this episode. Eric, thank you very much for your presentation, and thank you for joining me in my little studio here at the summit. Maybe you can give us an overview in the beginning um, how kind of the innovation framework or the innovation processes look like at Michelin and also how that digital part connects to it. Okay, so the, so my role, I have three roles. Um, so number one, uh, make sure that Michelin is doing what Michelin is supposed to do with digital on everything that Michelin is doing. And for Michelin, that's five areas. So one is digital customers. So it's everything around the customers. One is around digital employees. Uh, one is around uh, digital processes and specifically uh, digital manufacturing, supply chain, R&D and automation. And then we have two platforms. One is connected and one is data analytics and AI. So my first role is to make sure that we do the right thing and we innovate in all these areas at the right speed. The second role, uh, specifically around customers, connected data analytics and AI, not only we make sure that machine is doing the right thing, but also we have the resources to do the right thing. And the last part is um, uh, when we make some acquisitions uh, of you know, smaller companies that are digital by nature, then we see them as two sides. So one side is their own business, and the other side is a set of capabilities and platforms that we could use to be able to accelerate the innovation inside the machine group. Now, if I remember correctly, you, you uh, had a slide in your presentation where you um, gave an overview about kind of the different locations uh, in the world, pretty global, uh, basically. And maybe you can pick out some of the examples and explain what are the reasons for being exactly in that spot and or in, exactly in this and so on. So, so there is two things. So, so if you take a look at the way Apple and HP or other tech companies, they are innovating. When they are creating disruptive innovation, what they do is that usually they are going to set up the team close, but not too close to the main organization. And the reason for that is that if you are too close to the main organization, then as soon as you have an issue on the product or services on the main organization, guess what you do? You are going to tap into the resources of the disruptive team. So anyway, so we did the same way. So the, so the location that we selected, they are close, but not too close to the main centers. Mm. And close to me means that uh, you can take your car, you can drive, you don't need a plane, you don't need a train. If I need tomorrow to go to one of the main business centers, you know, it's, it, it's easy, I, I can drive. The second criteria for us was having access to digital resources on a, an employment market that is media, median, right? So not too high, like San Francisco, or to some extent like Berlin or like Paris, but median. So the location we're in, you know, usually there are, you know, second, third cities in a given country where we can find digital resources. So that's why we did that. 
Let me also ask you a bit about the geographical locations. There's, you know, Shanghai on the one side and then right. San Francisco or California on the other. What are the reasons for some of the kind of the geographical spread? So, so there is, so we are located in the US, uh, we're located in Europe, we're located in Asia, we're located in China. And, and so really myself, I really am convinced that diversity is a, is a, you know, is an asset mm. and diversity will enable us to be much more competitive and will enable us to grasp the world much better than uh, if we are Lian, you know, if we're only in one location. So anyway, um, so that's one of the reasons. So we are located on, you know, our biggest markets. So our biggest market are the US, Europe and China. And, uh, and now India, you know, st start to take off. So anyway, so where are located, where the action, you know, is starting. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is that, again, uh, we have perspective from people from all over the world. And I really think that, you know, in terms of solution that we'll be able to deliver, it's going to give us, you know, a great, uh, you know, competitive advantage. The other thing is that for me, it's part of the transformation. When you work for tech companies, they tell you what matters is what you do not where you live. And in traditional companies, I'm sure like other companies like Michelin, were so used to having you know, a few centers in the world where everybody should be able to regroup and should be able to work. In the tech world, you really want to use the people, you know, the best talents that you can afford and that you can find in the world. So it's, it's forcing us, but it's forcing the overall Michelin organization to be able to work in a much more distributed way. So now we use extensively uh, video conference. Um, a lot of people uh, initially was telling us that uh, you cannot do uh, distributed agile. Well, there is a lot of tech companies who have been doing that for decades. So it's forcing us, uh, you know, to, to really adapt, you know, the way we're functioning to the way these companies they are functioning. Let me ask you also now on the on, uh, next dimension on location uh, in terms of organization. And uh, specifically about, I think it was an interesting point you pulled out in your presentation was about the role of a CIO and a CDO right. and the way they work together or against each other in, 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 in some examples right. in, in, in companies. What are your, maybe you can elaborate a bit more on that. Right. The, 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 at the end of the day, um, there is lots of data that uh, are in a lot of the silos that have been created, you know, Uh, you know, during all the, you know, the years in the past, uh, you know, on legacy systems. And so if you take a look at, uh, you know, what we can do in terms of digital, and, you know, I said during my presentation that our goal is to be able to personalize the relationship mich between machine and 7 billion people. The only way to do that is to be able to have easy, low-cost, compliant access to begin with, with our own data, right? So, Uh, no matter, you know, gr you know, no matter how great the front end of the digital activities that we're building are, if we are not able to uh, leverage the data to the full extent, then guess what? We'll not be able to succeed in the digital transformation. The second thing is that AI is coming as artificial intelligence is here today. Without data at scale, there is no artificial intelligence. So for me, it's really, you know, and, and where we need to work like, a, you know, our CIO is a man. So we need to work like brothers because at the end of the day, 
the success of the digital transformation is not only coming from my organization. If it does not succeed to modernize and accelerate the transformation of the traditional IT organization, then guess what? No matter what we do, we'll not be able to succeed. So we understand that now. So we're very aligned. Uh, it, 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 to be honest, it's easier, it was easier for me uh, than uh, for Eve, uh, because me, I started from a blank sheet of paper, mm -hmm. right? So it was easier to be able, you know, to do what we are supposed to do. But, uh, you know, so anyway, so the success of the transformation is really, if you don't have great collaboration between the CRU and the CDO, I will argue that it's almost impossible to be able to transform your company digitally. So, Let me bring another topic into the, uh, into the picture. And you also talked about that uh, during your presentation about startups. Um, what, what role do startups play in that digital journey? So startups, there is several dimensions on startups. And uh, so, but for me, there is startups as technology uh, companies. And um, so anyway, so there is, so we have some contracts with some startups and we use them. It's almost like a supplier to vendor kind of relationship. So th that's one role. Uh, the second role is, um, uh, so sometimes uh, some of the startups are working on technology that are very close to the core of Michelin, that is very, very close to the core IP of Michelin, the core know-how of Michelin. So in this case, uh, you know, when we'll work with startups, usually what we'll do is that we will take participation in the startups. And, and, and the goal for us by doing that is not to take control of the startup, is really to learn through the startups. They are very expert in some areas, they go very fast, And, um, and what I explained, you know, during another presentation is that for me, um, partnering with startups is, is like dating in the U.S. When you date in the U.S., you, 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 you know, you, you start to meet someone, you start to understand someone, you start to understand, you know, if you could have a relationship with this person. And then it takes time before you really start to be with this person. Mm -hmm. And then it takes time before you get engaged with this person. And then it takes time until you get married with this person. So anyway, um, so with startups that are doing technology that are close to the core, then what we do is that we take these, you know, small investments like this, we are more engaged, but the goal for us is to learn from them. They are experts in their given domain. Usually startups, they are very vertical on one domain. They are very strong on one domain. Then we're going to learn with them. We're going to help developing them. And then along the way, along this dating process, If we start to see that there is a good, uh, you know, you know, uh, good complementary, uh, you know, connections, culture, solution and stuff like that, then it could be the time for us to say, you know, does it make sense for us to acquire this startup? Uh, we acquire startups also, but that, that are a little bit bigger, not uh, early stage startups. And then same story. That's what I will explain to you. When we acquire them, the goal for us is to, okay, we're interested by their business. But also, we're interested to leverage them, uh, you know, to be able to accelerate the innovation that we have in the rest of Michelin. What is the scope and criteria to select startups? If you look at startups, what do you look for? Technology is obviously one, right. one of the triggers, but what else? So, so I, I, let me give you just one example, which is very interesting. So there is a, a retailer in the U.S. Um, who decided... Uh, and who announced on a Friday that uh, they will close uh, 25 
shops in the US. Okay. So there is a startup in the US uh, who has uh, access real time to all the inventory of more than 200 retailers in the US, including this one. So what they did over the weekend, uh, uh, they were able to make a proposal, proposal of what should be the stock rebalancing of these 25 stores on the stores around them based on what they were selling in the past, based on the, you know, the, the park of cars and stuff like that. So they did that in a weekend. And they sent that to us the Monday. We didn't know them. So they sent that to us the Monday. And they say, you know, if I were you, uh, that's what I will propose to this retailer to do with the inventory. So anyway, so we received this information. And um, we said, it's interesting. So why don't we talk to the retailer? So, so we talked to the retailer. And then the retailer took 98% of the recommendation of the startup. So anyway, to answer your question, um, so th then after that, of course, we're interested <laughs> because they, and, and what's, what's very interesting in this case is that we have access to this information too. Mm. We can have access to this information too. But guess what? The speed and to some extent, the second word that I love when we talk about startups is frugality of startups is amazing. So anyway, so... To answer your question, the, for us, um, so it depends. We, we select startups that we believe, you know, are going to add value. And sometimes it's value to something that is not going to be core. And then, okay, we could go fast. It's, uh, it, it's going to be more traditional contract that we have with them. And sometimes it's going to be startups that are complementing, you know, the core. So then in this case, it takes a little bit more time. Because again, we usually what we'll do is that we'll take a participation because we believe that, you know, we'll learn from them. And one day, who knows, we could be interested by buying them. So. What are the interfaces? As soon as you decide, yes, this is interesting, we want to engage, we want to collaborate in some way. Right. What are the interfaces between that small right, right. little startup and the large corporate? So what we built, uh, we built something called Studios. So now we have a studio in uh, San Francisco. We have a studio in Lyon in France. Then uh, we're going to add a studio in Shanghai. We're going to uh, add a studio in Israel. And we're going to build a studio in, uh, in India, in Pune. So the goal of this studio is really the, the hinge between the corporation and the startups. So the people that we have there, they are mainly coming from the startup world, but they have some corporate experience. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and they can reconciliate the DNA of a corporation and the startups. Um, so that, that, that's them that we use. But what's very interesting is that so we use them at the beginning because at the beginning, you know, simple things like uh, NDAs, simple things like contrast could be um, cumbersome. <laughs> so anyway, so they, 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 they make the connection so between the corporate world and the startup world. But what's very interesting is that as soon as we can, then we uh, were involving business people because at the end of the day, the, the, the survival of the relationship with a startup should not come only from the digital organization. If the businesses, they see the value and if they understand, you know, what, wh what is it going to bring to their businesses, then guess what? After all, s s sometimes they will take over the relationship, right? So anyway, so that's what we do today. So we like this notion of studio. Because again, that's a way to reconcile two very different worlds. 
Let me take you back a bit out of the startup uh, collaboration topic, more into digital in, in general. Um, what is What are some of the challenges? I mean, tires are pretty much tangible. Right. What are some of the challenges in, in, in merging that kind of physical, tangible world with the digital world? Right. Uh, typically, it needs a lot of sensors to, you know, right. get data into the digital right. world and then... Right. Right. What are some of the challenges? I mean, software companies uh, work on a different premise. They, right. they are digital by nature. What are some of the challenges having that tangible element? So, so I'm half French and I'm half American. So I'm going to focus on the opportunity. Then I could talk <laughs> yeah, about okay. the challenge. Uh, let, let me give you three examples. So today, uh, we are putting sensors uh, inside tires for mining equipment. With these sensors then we're able to collect real-time information coming from the tires. So what do we do with that? We help our mining customers to optimize their productivity. And the reason for that is that when you carry tons of rocks on a, on a you know, mining dumper, then the tire is a critical component because based on the temperature, based on the you know, hygrometry, based, you, know, you could decide either to carry more weight Or you could decide to accelerate the speed of the trucks. And what's interesting is that mining is like airports. So everything is controlled by uh, control towers that will tell, you know, all the mining equipments what to do, what is the speed and stuff like that. So yeah, that's just to give you an example on how the connected tower could do something, you know, for mining equipment. Second example, uh, we released um, something called the Michelin Track Connect. So Michelin Track Connect... Uh, so we put sensors inside the tires and at this stage it's focused on the German car, Porsche, and it's focused focus on the Porsche clubs. And, um, and, and when, what that does, you know, when, when Michelin is doing Formula E uh, races, then there is a Michelin expert who is going to tell, you know, the people who are, you know, inflating, putting the right pressure on the tires, what to do based on the weather condition, based on everything. With Mission Track Connect, guess what? You have the expert inside your Porsche. So we deployed this solution and, and, and Porsche drivers, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not crazy about cars, but they can win one to two seconds on the tour, which is a big deal for them. They believe that they are, and probably they are great racers, right? The, the third example uh, that I can give you is that, um, so in Europe, um, 50% of the fleets have, of trucks They have less than 20 vehicles, and we cannot put salespeople to be able to engage with this. So we started a digital solution. The way it works is that they, they give us all their information about their fleet. By the way, we manage their fleet if it's machine tires or not machine tires. It works better on machine tires that are connected, but it works on you know, everybody. And then we help them making predictive maintenance, what to do, when to do it, you know, a kind of worry-free solution for the people managing the fleet. When we launched this solution, we had no idea how successful it will be. And after 18 months, we had more than 60,000 fleets who gave us all their information. And why did they do that? Because we helped them running their business. And then what we did after, we, we started to use this contact, this engagement, to start to promote our tires. And, you know, on a two-year period, we sold, you know, 1.5 million tires truck tires, which is a big deal for Michelin. 
at the beginning, did we ever believe that we'll be able to do that? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But digital for us, it's really a way to engage, to get much closer, to get m- much more intimate with the customers than we have ever been before. And, and, and last, last thing, and I will ask you another question. Uh, you have to remember that the purpose of Michelin is, you know, we care about giving people a better way forward in a sustainable way. So we're not uh, only focused on tires. We are focused on mobility. We want to enable the mobility of people, of goods. Uh, and so anyway, so we go beyond. We, we introduced, for example, uh, a new connected tires for airplane industry with, uh, in partnership with Safran. So, and then the reason is that the pilots, before they take off, they have to check the pressure of the tires. Guess what? It could be much more easy you know, if they were able to do that in a digital way than having to check the tires by themselves. So anyway, so we are focused on mobility and that goes beyond tires. Tires is still core to us, but again, we do much more than tires now. Let me ask you, but about the capabilities and skill sets you need for digital and where do you find people to help you? I mean, now you build that organization from scratch. How much did you look outside, look inside the company? Where did you, how did you build those teams? So, so, so we did both. Uh, but, but, but number one, if you want to go fast on digital, then we needed to hire people who had some expertise, you know, based on the platforms that, that, that we'll select. But at the same time, we needed to have some people from Michelin who understand very well the business of Michelin. So the, the team today, roughly, is 70-30. So 70% of people that are coming from outside. And they're coming from outside because they have some specific expertise and 30% are coming from Michelin. Now, if there is someone uh, you know, who has expertise in a given digital domain and is already a Michelin employee, of course, well, you know, this person will have the priority. But expertise is the number one criteria for us. And what's very interesting is that when we explain, you know, the, the, the purpose of Michelin, the growth initiative that we have at Michelin and the ambitious digital transformation that we have, guess what? We're attracting lots of young people because believe it or not, so, so they see Michelin. When, when we explain the story of digital transformation, it's very interesting because Michelin is, a, is an iconic brand. Uh, you know, the Michelin man, the Bibandum, has been elected a few weeks ago as the icon of the millennium. So it's like, so anyway, so they are very intrigued on being able to take a company which is more traditional and, and you know, be part of the adventure that will take, uh, you know, Michelin to the next century. So mm. When you look at your teams, what is important if you put those teams together? What kind of people need to be on, on a specific team? Some of the more general guidelines or rules that you have? So, so what we have is that uh, uh, we, we have what we call digital factories. And, and at the beginning, I was not uh, so excited by the name digital factories. But uh, in the Michelin lingo, uh, digital factory means that we have a team of people who have, it's almost a team of people we're building with a manufacturing site in the Michelin mindset. So that was a way for us to say, you know, inside this team, We'll have all the resources, you know, in terms of developer, project managers, scrum masters, you know, you name them, to be able to build, uh, so design, build, 
run, operate, you know, so, some digital platform. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that's what we have. The, the, the thing that I like this morning of the presentation of Microsoft is that between uh, alignment and autonomy, because we are distributed that way, we have strong alignment, but at the same time, each of the factories, they have a lot of autonomy. And, and they have to, because at the end of the day, they are in charge of, you know, a, a, a given domain and we cannot spend, uh, you know, too much time spending time to synchronize ourselves. So, anyway, so I like the, the, you know, the presentation that was made between, uh, you know, uh, alignment and autonomy. So, anyway, so we function that way. So. Now, you mentioned platforms. I mean, what role do digital platforms play? I mean, they have been so powerful in the consumer space. Uh, in other areas, and and how does it now move into other industries? So, so, so it's critical, and uh, uh, and the the first thing you have to explain. Uh, so wh- when you come from the tech world, everybody understand platform. Everybody understand what is the advantage of the platform. Anyway, when you are in a more traditional environment, the the word platform means something else inside machine. Uh, so anyway, so we had to educate number one people to what is a platform. And the best analogy, uh, we found is the Lego analogy. And Lego is, mm. you know, the innovation roundtable also. Um, and then what we explain is that, uh, you know, there is these big tech companies, uh, and I'm telling all the executives that our role, our goal is to be the best on the market at leveraging the investments of the big tech companies. So we take their platforms. And then with Legos, with APIs, whatever that we build on top of that, then we are going to build our platform. Everything that we do is based out of platforms. And that's also a way, to be honest, to rationalize. Uh, you know, we, we talk about autonomy. And I agree with one of the comments that was made is that if you have too much autonomy in digital, then guess what happened? Everybody is going to reinvent the wheel over and over again everywhere. That's one challenge. The second challenge now is cybersecurity and compliance. If you do not have this kind of platforms, then it's very hard to make sure that uh, someone somewhere is not going to build something that is going to have a GDPR impact on Michelin. Mm. And if we have a GDPR impact on Michelin with a small provider somewhere in Asia that will impact, you know, Michelin, that's a big deal for us, right? Mm. So anyway, so platform is the key. Uh, and anyway, and people, they, they can develop on the edge of the platform, but the platform, the, the platforms, they are the heart of, uh, you know, what we're doing now. Now, let me ask you about leadership. What, what is important in terms of leadership, especially if you're working with uh, teams that build things that where there's a lot of uncertainty involved? Right. Digital innovation teams. Right. What is important to support them in the best way? Right. So number one, my, my best description is uh, we're a directed democracy, and, and that's connected to <laughs> alignment and um, and uh, autonomy. But we're a directed democracy, so we're still a democracy, but with rules <laughs> that, that that and direction that that, that people they, they need to be able to follow. Now, if you talk about leadership uh, and, and when you talk about digital transformation, clearly, if you do not lack people challenges, then you should not do this job. <laughs> Because w- when people they ask me how much time we spend and, and what do we do, uh, and me and my direct report, we spent, and I always make a black and white version, but I, I guess we spend 10% on the technology and 90% of the change management. 
And um, so anyway, so you need to be resilient. You need to be uh, passionate. You, you need to have, to have faith that you will be able to transform the company. Because guess what? It is not easy. And, uh, you know, I'm coming from tech companies. Uh, and uh, tech companies like Apple and HP, in their DNA, change is part of the DNA. Uh, tech companies, they love to disrupt. Uh, you know, what the CEO of uh, HP was telling, uh, we need to disrupt ourselves before someone else does. So we love change. When you, if you want for tech companies and you do not like change, you're in big trouble. <laughs> then now, all the more traditional industries, guess what? They're not used to the pace of change, you know, that the digital and the technology world is bringing. So one of our role is really to explain why do we do things? Why do people need to change the way they are working? And believe me, it is much harder than implementing a new software. <laughs> and, and implementing a new software is very easy. So anyway, in terms of leadership, there is a balance between be uh, an educator and at the same time be someone who is going to lead the change and will make sure that the change will happen. And there is always this balance that you need to have, right? You need to explain, you need to constantly communicate, but at the same time, you need to drive the fact that it's going to happen. Because if you wait for everybody to, uh, to agree and everybody to feel comfortable, then guess what, uh, you know, you will never be able to transform the company. So, Last question, Eric, uh, a broader question. If you look at innovation, how has it changed like in the last 10, 20 years? And, and what are the reasons for those changes? So, so it's a hard question. So, so we talk about, can I talk about the future? You can <laughs> talk about the future. <laughs> no, the, the future, the, the, the biggest things for me, uh, and I talk to CEOs, uh, you know, in the Silicon Valley, And they, they tell me, they tell us that uh, uh, in the next five years, for the first time ever, computers, they are going to give us back time. And it's the first time ever that, you know, th 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 that will happen. And why that? Because artificial intelligence, you know, will augment us, you know, is going to give us superpowers. And, uh, and they are convinced that the rate of, of innovation because of the you know, the era of AI is, is going to be nothing comparable to what we're coming from. So the, the key thing that, uh, that uh, you know, I spent time to think of and I spent time thinking of with people at Michina and outside of Michina is what is the impact on the workforce? What is the impact on our kids? How do we, you know, uh, and, and, and clearly, uh, you know, the companies will be able to master the combination between AI, the machine, and, and the humans will be the company that will be successful. One of the challenges, though, is that, you know, coming from the industrial phase, uh, in the industrial phase, we, you know, the machines, they're re replacing people, right? So people, people they, are, they, they still fear the fact that AI is going to replace their job, and it could change their job. And, and if you think about that, when computers have been introduced, A lot of people, you know, that fears that their job will disappear. Now, if you take as a whole at a macro level, computing industry created, you know, millions, you know, millions of new jobs. Guess what? AI is going to do the same. But it's up to us to train our people, to prepare our people and to make sure that they understand that AI is going to, to transform them as super people. Eric. 
Thanks once again for your presentation. Thank you. And thank you very much for that interesting and pleasant conversation. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. You can find our show in most podcast apps. Subscribe for free to get the latest episodes. The video and the transcript of this podcast and all of our other exclusive interviews can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online. The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with thousands of other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers.